0: Oh good morning. good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, 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 good. Well, keep Pastor Robin prayer. Hey and Kathy are away, I think, for her birthday. So um, hope they're having a good time. A blessed time. But let's um let's pray. Well Lord, thank you so much for our time together and just pray God that you would um be an active part of this study, that you would um, speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, we thank you, God, for your love and your grace, just uh, how, you <clears throat> how you just care for us, you lead us, you guide us, you have everything in control, Lord. We're so thankful that you're just a good God, Lord. We love you so much. And we, uh, Lord, want to be mindful of Tom and just your continued hand on him as he's Still uh, waiting for that right heart, and uh, we pray God for He and debbie uh, that you would strengthen them and just continue to encourage them lord it, it's been um, it's been a long haul for them, but God we know you 're faithful, we know you have that that right heart for them, and I just pray God that you would continue to pour your grace into their lives right now lord and it 's in Jesus name we pray amen all right so we 're going to be in Acts again in chapter 10, and I wanted to, I uh, wanted to read um, some lyrics from a song that I was, I was just praying about how to go about um, Acts chapter 10, and I was listening to this song, and really, um, in my mind, it just encapsulates the whole book of Acts, and of course. Um, our lives as well so the name of the song is this is what we live for so here here's are some of the lyrics what can I do with the fire on the inside I'm burning up with a truth I can't hide you're the reason for this hope in my life I'm gonna let it shine I have to let it shine this is what we live for to go where you say go to let the whole world know you're the light in the darkness. This is what we live for, to love the way that you love, so God be lifted up. Come be light in the darkness. When you breathe, even dry bones come alive. When you speak, God, you shut down every lie. You're the reason for this hope in our lives. I'm going to testify. I'm going to testify. Chasing your heart and all that you are, we surrender, surrender all. Your favor with us, your presence in us. Now Jesus, your name above all. What you going to do with the fire on the inside? I said, what you going to do with the fire on the inside? This is what we live for. So, Looking at the book of Acts, I think we're going to be looking at Peter and Cornelius today, but Peter could have wrote the song, because that's what they lived for. They lived, they lived for Christ. They lived for Christ. And hopefully, um, that'll, you'll see that as we go through the book of Acts, the, the um, um, just the Determination to um, follow God, to um, to, to keep uh, their eyes on the Lord. Um, you know, a lot of there's going to be a lot of interesting, a ha- lot of things happen in this chapter. Um, <clears throat> visions, trances, <clears throat> which is um, kind of exciting. But one thing that you need to know that the greatest miracle of all miracles is the winning of a lost soul. The gospel, getting the gospel out. That's what it's all about. And, you know, God is obviously, uh, this is going to be an obvious statement, but God is committed to that, right? Now, we've heard this phrase often, God is sovereign and man's man's responsibility. And we're going to see that in this chapter as well. Now, salvation is a divine work of grace. We know that. But God works through people, works through us. And that's kind of what stuck out in my mind when I was listening to this song. You know, what are you going to do with the fire that's burning on the inside? What are you going to do with that, with the gospel message that God's given to us? Obviously, we're going to see what, um, in this instance, what Paul and uh, Cornelius did. But... As we as we go through this chapter, one thing I don't want you to do, I don't want you to look at Paul, I mean Peter, and say, Oh, well, you know, he's Peter, he's an apostle. He could, of course, he could, you know, do something like that or have that kind of faith. But I, I want to remind you that the same Holy Spirit that filled Peter has filled your life. Right? The Word of God is is still alive. And well, in 2023, and you know what? You can, um, you can do the things that Peter did, and I, I don't hope that doesn't sound too um, over the top, but um, you know, it's just trusting God. That's all they did. They put their confidence and their faith in the Lord, and He did some awesome things. So, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. <clears throat> I want to shore that truth up. Um, that God is in control, right? He has a plan, and he's right on schedule. Now, we'll see this played out in the book of Acts, but guess what? It's being played out in our lives right now. The sovereignty of God, the plan of God that he has for your life, for this church, for, for you. It's playing out. You know, the, the thing is, are we paying attention? Are we spending that time with the Lord for him to communicate that to us? You know, sometimes we're so busy, um, you know, we'll read a couple chapters in the Bible, say a quick prayer, and leave God out of the whole conversation. You know, we need to take that time. So, you know, we, our part, you know, God, we know God is faithful. Our part um, is to cooperate with what God's doing in our lives. And it's having that faith. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Faith is believing the word of God and acting on it, no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. And we're going to see that in Peter's interaction with the Lord and with Cornelius. In Hebrews 11:6, it says, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you believe that? As you seek God, as you diligently seek God, um, He's faithful. He's going to reveal Himself. So Acts 10 is a is really a pivotal pivotal part of the book of Acts, right? It records the salvation to the Gentiles. And you know, I was thinking about this. You know, this is I mean a huge event in church history. But when you think about it, this is a huge event in world history of everything that's happened on on this planet since man's been here, think about it. The, the, you know, the Gentiles are getting pulled into the church. People are being baptized with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is another one. You know, we think of these events in church history, but they're so pivotal in world history as well, I believe. You know, that's just my opinion. But, We'll see Peter in this chapter using the keys to the kingdom for the third time, right? Peter was given the privilege of opening the door of faith to the Jews in Acts chapter 2, the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8, and now to the Gentiles. So chapter 10 takes place about 10 years after Pentecost, and you might be wondering why did it take him so long to get to the Gentiles, you know, 10 years, but, you know, it's all in God's timing. You know, God is sovereign. You know, his, his plan is going to come to pass in his timing. You know, we can't, um, we can't slow it up, and we can't speed it up. So we're going to look at chapter 10. There's four steps in this chapter that we've experienced, and we're going to see Um, Peter and Cornelius experienced them. There's going to be a time of preparation, an explanation, and a proclamation, and then the last thing, if we get that far, (laughs) vindication. So the first one is preparation. Before God could reach the Gentiles, he had to prepare Peter to bring the message to the Gentiles, and he had to prepare Cornelius To hear that message. And I don't know if you realize it or not, God is preparing you for something right now. He's been preparing you for something. What it is, I don't know. But he is. He is. So God is preparing Peter and Cornelius. He's working behind the scenes, and he has been, you know, working in Peter's life and Cornelius's life. Um, All of this um, the Holy Spirit just working behind the scenes. So here's what's going on up to this point. Peter and John have traveled to Samaria because of Philip's ministry to the Samaritans. Uh, Peter, his missionary efforts are described in towards the end of chapter 9 and then, of course, all of chapter 10 that show the power of God at work. Um, he traveled to Lydda where... Aeneas is healed, and in Joppa, he restored Dorcas or Tabitha uh, to life, and he stays with Simon the Tanner, all right? So this is where things are. So we have Peter and Joppa, we have Cornelius and Caesarea, and they're about separated by 30 miles. Um, but God has a plan that will bring them together uh, to impact the church in a powerful way. And they don't they have no idea what's, what's going to happen. But what they're doing is they're, they understand what they live for, what they're living for. They're living for the Lord. You know, they're, they're sensitive to that. And it's going to be interesting to see how um, the Lord prepares them. And we're going to get into that in chapter 10, verses uh, 1 through 8 is God preparing Cornelius. Okay, we've been there. <laughs> I've been there, right? So there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion that was called uh, the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So we see that he's a centurion, he has oversight of a hundred soldiers, and in the book of Acts, the centurion really, there's a couple of them that really are pretty pivotal pivotal that God uses uh, uh, for Paul um, as he um, is rescued from the crowd and on his way to to Rome. So these centurions, uh, really, um, God used them to uh, bring favor in Paul and Peter's life. So, It says that um, he prayed always about the third hour of the day, which is one of the three set times of prayer. And he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? Being a Gentile, he confused this angel of the Lord with the Lord. But still, I mean, it had to be a pretty... um, Mind-blowing experience just to see this angel appear. So he said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. God answered his prayer. Then send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And he will tell you what you must do. So, Cornelius' prayer gets answered. God speaks to him, and what does he do? God's sovereign, man's responsibility. He obeys. He obeys. Verse 7, it says, And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So, when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So God is working through Cornelius right now. God is preparing his heart, preparing him to, um, to receive the gospel, to hear the gospel message. You know, and it's one thing about Cornelius, it's interesting, something that kind of stuck out in my mind to see how religious a person could be and still not be saved, right? In every way, Cornelius was a model of religious respectability, right? And yet, he was not saved. So the difference, though, between Cornelius and many religious people today is this, that he knew that his religious devotion was not sufficient to save him. And I think we've all been, we've all been to that point in our lives, right, when we realize all of our efforts to try to get right with God just weren't working. You know, we tried this, we tried that. You know, we fasted, we went to church, we observed Lent, whatever. We did all of these things, um, but it just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. You know many religious people today are convinced that their character and good works will get them into heaven. They have no concept either of their own sin or God's grace. So in his prayers Cornelius was asking God to show him the way to salvation. And that if you had, if you were to fast forward you don't have to to chapter 11 where Peter re- recounts this to the Jewish leaders back in Jerusalem. You know, in verse fourteen, it says, um, "Who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved?" You know, Peter's explaining to the men, these the leaders back in Jerusalem, what he was doing in um, in Cornelius's um, house, why he was sent there. Uh, he was sent there to to bring to his household the message of salvation. So reading through this, a question came to my mind, and it kind of points out God's sovereignty and God's timing. Why send Peter, who was 30 miles away in Joppa when Philip the evangelist was already living in Caesarea, right there in the city? Well, because it was Peter, and not Philip, who God wanted to minister to Cornelius. Remember, God had given him these keys to open um, their faith, their hearts, to the gospel. So, you know, God not only works out the right timing, but he also works out the right person for um, what he wants done. So, you know, if God is putting something on your heart, God is prompting you to do something, um, it doesn't work when you say, well, God, can you have somebody else do it, or... You know, God, I'm not qualified. Um, I think God knows if you're qualified or not. I think God knows if you can handle it. And, you know, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing to think that the creator of the universe is asking you to do something and trusting you to do something. You know, and this is what we live for, Right? That song, this is what we live for. We live to please him. We live to serve him. I think we forget that. But Peter um, and Cornelius are, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna, you know, to register on them, especially Peter. Especially Peter. Let's, let's read verses 9 through 16. This is preparation for Peter now. Cornelius, hey, you know what? He's a centurion. He understands authority. When the angel of the Lord appeared to him, he just said, hey, you know, I've been looking for this my whole life. I've been searching now, and now God has answered my prayer. Let's let's just do whatever he says and do it quickly. But Peter is a different story. So it says the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So Peter, this is one of those three times that, um, that The Jews prayed, and then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance, and he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound with four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. And it, was, and it, were, all, it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts. Creepy things, I don't know what a creepy thing is, but, uh, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Not so, Lord. <laughs> Even though Peter puts it in a, a polite way, I'm definitely the wrong answer, right? Not so, Lord. So I found this little saying, whoever says not so should never add Lord. And whosoever or whoever truly says Lord should never say not so. Right? So remember, Peter is being prepared to go to Cornelius, who's a Gentile and you guys understand that gentiles were considered dogs they were they were um lower than lower than <laughs> they were the lowest you know peter being um you know an orthodox jew his whole life i mean you just can't read over this he's saying not so lord because he's you know thinks he's saying the right thing He's not, it hasn't really dawned on him yet what's going on, right? But, and and you could tell that it was a challenge for him because think of his, his answer to say, he's saying no to God. Like, no, God. You know, like, I, I mean, I don't understand. Why do you want me to do this? You know, and have you ever been there where God has asked you to do something or God put something on your heart and you kind of go back and forth with him? You know, thinking, why well, are you sure, Lord? Are you, you know, and it's, You know, when I say it from up here, it sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Like that we would have a conversation with God and say, but are you sure, God? I mean, is that, I mean, is that, you know, are you sure about that? Yeah, he's sure about that. And this is, um, this is just going to obviously show just how awesome God is working patiently um, through Peter, um, working through Cornelius to bring about, Um, you know, this um, milestone in the church, the salvation to the Gentiles. So let's move on. Verse 15, and a voice spoke to him the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common, right? And this was done three times. So three times it just had to be reinforced. And the object was taken up into heaven again. So, think of what Paul is—I mean Peter—is dealing with. Um, there is the the law of Moses was this wall that was established between the Jew and the Gentile, and this wall had been broken down at the cross. Now, close to, really, almost twenty years after this, in Acts chapter ten. Paul would write this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who were near. For though, For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So God wasn't simply changing Peter's diet. He was changing his entire biblical view. He was changing his life. This is huge for Peter to get to get past this. But God is faithful. God is faithful. He just three times he had to show him right again. But Peter, is, obviously, you've read Acts before, so you know he's going to get it. But the point is, is that you know God's heart and God, you know, working in us, you know, just sovereignly working out His plan. For, for humanity through the church, through Christians. You know, that is something that you just, let that sink in. Let that sink in because that's what God is doing. That's what God is doing. So he says, arise, therefore. Nope. All right, I almost got ahead of myself. Eight, verse 18. And they called and asked whether Simon Okay, let me go up to verse 17. Sorry about that. Verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, two men had been sent from Cornelius and had inquired for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Therefore, arise therefore and go down, and go with them, doubting nothing, making no distinction. Doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And that doubting nothing... Really, what, what the Lord is saying is making no distinction. These guys are going to be Gentiles. It, it doesn't make a difference. Go with them anyway. You know, we don't want Peter to come downstairs and see these Gentiles standing at the door. So the Lord tells him, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Don't doubt it, Peter, because I've sent them. It's awesome. So God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. Remember, he's sovereign, right? These three men from Caesarea arrive at the door, just as Peter is up on the roof, kind of pondering what God had just shown him. All right? He's thinking about it. Then he tells them, "Hey, go with these guys. Doubting nothing, just go with them." So God is chipping away at Peter's, really. When if you, you want to, if you get right down to it, just P, Peter's racism. And you know something? The world has been looking for the cure for racism for years. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, this racial divide between the Jews and the Gentiles is going to go away because of the cross, because of Christianity. And you know, it would, um, I'm not saying it's a simple thing, but if, if people would just pay attention to um, you know what some what the church is saying about the gospel and about the word of God. There, were, there, well, obviously we know things would be a lot different. But getting to that point is um, is definitely going to be a work of the Lord. So, so when Peter uh, went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius, and he said, "Yes." I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by the holy angel to summon you to his house to hear his words. So the preparation is complete. Peter has been prepared. Looks like he's on board, Cornelius is prepared, and now God's plan continues to unfold. As he gets the explanation, Peter's going to, now he's going to get the why. Like, why am I going to Cornelius' house? So in verse 23, it says, Then he invited them in and lodged them. Once again, Peter's inviting Gentiles in his house now. He's, he's getting it. You know, he's, he's, getting, he's getting the message, right? Something is going to happen with the Gentiles. And, um, and the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So Peter brings, we find out from chapter 11, when he recounts this, he brings six believers with him who are Jewish, uh, twice the number required as witnesses, but, you know, this is really um, discernment on Peter's part because in the next chapter he's going to be called on the carpet by the Jews in Jerusalem wanting to know what he was doing um, going to Cornelius's and hanging out with a bunch of Gentiles. So um, that's what the witnesses are for, and that was a good move on his part. Now, the day following they entered Caesarea, Now, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. Boy, that's like what an act of faith that is. He calls for Peter to come, the angel tells him what to do, and now Cornelius has got his family, his friends, everybody there because he wants them to hear the gospel. He wants them to hear the gospel. You know it would have been easy for Peter to say, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, I am pretty important, right Now, none of us have ever felt that way, like we were better than somebody else, right no no <laughs> Peter was humble, you know he, he Peter wasn't into being a celebrity, you know he just wanted he just wanted God's will to be done, and he here he is, you know." And, you really have to, afterwards, you have to give this a little bit more thought, um, you know, during the day when you're watching the Bills lose or something. Um, oh, uh, all right, now I lost you. All right, don't throw anything at me. All right. But think about, you know, this is, this is huge for Peter to, to, to do what he is doing right now. Don't, um, oh, thanks. Uh, it's much better. Yeah, don't, um, don't like read past that. This is like a huge, huge step for Peter. You know, and I know that there, this, I know people who've had a hard time that got saved and realized they had to leave the church that they were in for so long, you know, because they just weren't teaching the Bible. They just, it just wasn't accurate. Sometimes it's difficult. You know, Peter is, is, is doing an about face on, you know, everything that he thought was right. So this really, um, these next couple verses really kind of got my attention and really drove that point home. In verses 27 through 29, it says, And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. So he's walking into Cornelius' house, and it's packed with people, and they're all Gentiles. Then he said to them, this is Peter, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But the next two words, but God. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. You know, he gets it. It wasn't about the food that was let down. It was about his relationship with the Gentiles. You know, but, and, it, and then, he, then he says, therefore, in verse 29, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, for what reason have you sent for me? So he wants to know why, right? The, the, he wants to know why. But think about that. But God. What a powerful statement. Peter was telling them that God that God had shown him. Some man didn't show him. God showed him. Could you imagine? You're a Gentile sitting there. Peter walks in, and sure, you know, the word had traveled all over about Pentecost. You know, once Stephen got um, martyred, you know, the persecution, you know, the Christianity just moved out of Jerusalem, you know, and people knew um, about Christianity. I'm sure they knew about Peter, and here he is walking in to their home and telling them that it's unlawful for him to be there, but God. But God had shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Just think, if we could ingrain that in the head of some politicians today right? Just that simple truth that God has shown us that, that not to call any man common or unclean. In God's sight, we're all the same. In God's sight, we're all the same. So I love Peter's um, obedience. Therefore, right? Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. And think about that. I mean, i I don't want to overstate it but Peter has gone now at this point from not so lord he's gone from that to but God has shown me therefore I came. You know he a lot's happened in Peter's life that preparation that the holy spirit did by the time he gets to Cornelius's and gets in the room with all of Cornelius' his friends and family, he, he knows what's going on. He knows. He doesn't quite understand the ramifications of it yet, but he knows he's right where he needs to be. So here's the, here's the reason Peter is going to find out, you know, he was prepared for this reason, right? In verses 30 through 33, so Cornelius said, Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea, and when he comes... He will speak to you. He will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. So Peter is standing before a room or I don't know how big the room was, but a lot of a lot of Gentiles who came um to who came to hear all the things that God commanded um Peter to do. And what did he command Peter to do in in Acts chapter two and Acts chapter one? To go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's you know, is it registering to Peter? Um I'm not sure. But Cornelia shared with Peter what the angel had told him. And he summoned him. And here is Peter now <laughs> standing before a room of lost sinners wanting to know what they need to do to get saved. It's an evangelist. Um, <laughs> it's what they dream about, right? A room full of people that want to get saved. They want to hear how to get saved. And here's Peter in front of them with that message. So you know what, guys? You never know when your witness for Christ is exactly what somebody has been waiting for and praying for. If you're going to, if the Lord is prompting you to say something to somebody, do it. Say it. dude. whatever he puts on your heart, because you have no idea. Then I'm probably preaching to the choir. You guys have done this. God has put something on your heart. You're in line or whatever. You're at the store. You start talking with the person, and the next thing you know, it's exactly what they needed to hear. And you get an opportunity to pray with them. So the proclamation, this third thing, and of course... Peter is going to proclaim the gospel, right? Starting in verse 34, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. He doesn't. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And then he's going he's to reference the word, Right? There can be no faith apart from the word, and Peter preached the word to them, right? In Romans 10:17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So in verse 36, Peter says, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Verse 37, and that word, again, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not only to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God. You know, see God's hand all over this, his sovereignty. Um, Even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to judge the living and the dead. To all the prophets witness that, through his name, whosoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Just one quick thing before we, I just wanted to point one thing out in verse um In verse 35, when it talks about um, every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him, Um, that's not teaching that we're saved by works, all right? It's the fear of God and righteousness. It's the description of the Christian life, right? The fear of God is to reverence and trust him, and the evidence of this faith is a righteous walk. That's all that Peter's saying. He's not saying that you have to be... Um, You know, you've got to work for your salvation. So what does Peter do? He summarizes the account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel. He gives them the gospel, uh, the whole gospel. And then, um, having finished his narrative, right, the historical basis for the, the gospel message, Christ's death, in resurrection, Peter announces the good news. He says in verse 43, whosoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. So important. Paul, mentioned that in Romans chapter 10. But the last point, the vindication. You know, this is as in Peter is vindicated. Here he is going to the Gentiles, but he, he's going because God directed him. You know, and it's going to mean a lot when you get, you get into the next chapter because, like I said, they're going to really hold his feet to the fire as to why he went to the Gentiles and he's going to share this whole account with them again. But it's, it's interesting. Verse, verse, let me read verse 43 again. It says, To him all the prophets witnessed that through his name, Whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sins. So Cornelius, his family, and his friends laid hold of that word, whoever, and applied it to themselves and believed on Jesus Christ and were saved. And what does it say happened? While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as as many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord and they asked him to stay a few days. So Peter is just getting going with the message, just starting to get it in high gear. He shared the gospel, and he's getting ready to continue, and um, you know, the whole congregation, (laughs) the whole message is interrupted by the Holy Spirit. Think how cool that must have been, you know? It's got to be like every pastor's dream. You're preaching the gospel, and the Holy Spirit falls on the congregation, and you know, people getting saved. I mean, it's just it's it's just Pentecost all over again for the Gentiles. Just amazing, amazing. And Peter, um, he's used to being interrupted, right? God interrupted Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Jesus, Jesus interrupted him in the matter of the tax, temple tax, and now the Holy Spirit interrupts him. And Peter never gets to finish his sermon. But the Holy Spirit was given, that the Holy Spirit was given to the Gentiles is witnessed by these six Jewish men who came with Peter. Right? And that, I mean, to think how, you know, they were there at Pentecost. They saw what happened in Acts chapter 2. And the same thing now is happening in Acts chapter 10. A, Guys, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He has a plan. And, it, you know, that plan is right on track, regardless of what you see going on in the world. And God has called us. God has called us to be a part of that plan. Now, with this event here, um, you know, it, it, go, it went from the gospel went to the Jew to the Samaritan, and to the Gentile, and then it, goes, it really goes to whoever, to whoever. You know, whoever will believe can be saved, whoever. It's not Jew, Gentile, Samaritan. It doesn't make a difference, white, black, Chinese, whatever. It doesn't make a difference. It's a whosoever. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it talks about whosoever will believe. Right? Whosoever. So we're going to take communion. So if um, the worship team wants to come up. You know, and somewhere in this, these four stages, we've, you know, we find ourselves. Whether God is preparing you, I'm not sure um if he's if there's an explanation if God is trying to have you see what he's called you to do and why we we need to be aware of what god's doing in our lives and it's it just doesn't um it just doesn't happen. One thing that hopefully stood out and this account was that god spoke to cornelius and peter when they were in time of prayer they were praying seeking him you know we know that when we seek the lord that he'll he's he you know believe me you'll find him and i just want to encourage you you know there's there needs to be time <clears throat> there needs to be time in our day where we um are just getting alone with the Lord with the Word and the Lord, and just you know give give God some time give God some time to speak to you you know don't um you know don't say, well, I got you know this is my half hour devotion, and believe me, I know that this um, you know, we're all we're all busy. We all got things to do, and just saying that just sounds so dumb. When you think of what I'm talking about, I mean, really, that we're too busy, or we don't have enough time. <clears throat> we don't have enough time to spend to hear from God. This is what we live for. And you know what? Jesus lived and died so that we can be in that position to not only, hey, you know, he he saved us, he redeemed us, you know, he, he was faithful, he went to the cross, and when we celebrate communion, you know, we celebrate his death and his resurrection, you know, what he did. But he did that so we could live. He did that so we could live for him. You know, and so when we take communion, think about that. Think about the, the, the reason, that, you know, this fire that we have inside is because Jesus was faithful to, the, to God's plan for his life. right? He was, I mean, he he did his part. And you know what? He's filled us with his Holy Spirit. He's given us his word, and now he's just saying, you know, what are you going to do with that fire that's on the inside in your life? What are you going to do with the gifts that I've given you? And you know, I'm praying that you're sitting there thinking well i'm going to i'm going to i want to be like peter or i want to be like cornelius you know i you know i want to be someone lord that that really is, is effective for you for the gospel it has nothing to do with me lord it has to do with being faithful to what you've called us to do that's that's the bottom line so just want you guys to give that some thought as you come up you can uh, get the elements, go back to your seat and we'll take them together and the worship team's gonna play a song for us. Well, we know that Jesus said to do this in remembrance of me. You know, and I was just thinking about <clears throat> what, you know, what, what, what does that mean? You know, and to remember what Jesus accomplished for us, what he did at the cross, what he sacrificed that we might live. That, you know, he he did all the heavy lifting. He did all the work. He put his life on the line, and he suffered and died for us. And he did that so we could live that we can have life and have it more abundantly. But he didn't do that so we could just live unto ourselves. You know, he did it so we could live for him. We have been bought with a price. You know, he he owns us. You know, and I mean that in, in a sincere way. I mean, you know, do this in remembrance of me. Guys, look, I... I, I paid the price. You know, I paid the penalty for sin. You're never going to you're never gonna have to face the judgment. I've paid the price. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we take the elements, you know, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if everybody in here is saved. I don't know if you're not. Um, I would encourage you to come up after we're done to pray. There's going to be some guys up here. But as you reflect, as you take the elements, you know, let God search your heart. You know, are you, I mean, do you have this, the mindset that, that Peter had, that Cornelius had, that no matter what it took, God, I would, you know, you, I'm, I want to see your plan through. Whatever you're working in my heart, I want to be faithful to see it to completion. You know, I want to do my very best. And when we're done taking the elements, we're going to play a song. And I want to encourage you. Don't leave here with what you came in here with. Because this is part of doing this in remembrance of me. Because we don't have to carry the load of life with us. We don't have to walk around with the burdens that we feel. Because Jesus paid the price. He set us free. He's given us the free access into his throne of grace. And all he's doing is just saying, as you do this in remembrance of me, re- just remember that. I'm here. I'm that ever-present help. You know, when we come up for prayer, we don't, we're not calling him to the altar. He's here. He's already waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He wants to minister to us. We just got to give him the opportunity. We need to cooperate, just like Peter did. You know, trying to get over this hurdle in his life about going to the Gentiles. But God was faithful, and God walked him through that. And he'll do it for you. Just got to give him the time. You got to give him the time. So, as we take the elements, um, we're going to play the song. Pastor Richard and some of the guys will be up here. If you want prayer, please, please um, come up for prayer. All right? All right. Lord, thank you for um, just what you accomplished for us, God. We have, Jesus, we have, have no idea to the extent that you suffered. We read about it. We've seen movies, but the anguish, everything you went through to 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 save us, to deliver us from the power of sin, to set us free that we would um, not have to be dominated by sin or doubt or worry, any of that anymore. You set us free. So we thank you for that. And as we take these elements, God, that we would just remember uh, what was accomplished uh, through your death and resurrection. So we praise you and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. So partake. Well, Lord, we, um, we thank you so much for your active hand in our time this morning. And, Lord, we do pray that you'd leave uh, with us as we leave, God, that we uh, certainly aren't going without you. Lord, we thank you for just being that, just an active part of our day. Thank you, Lord, that you are truly that ever-present help. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for uh, the rest of our day today. We thank you for the fellowship time out in the fellowship hall. And, uh, Lord, we just love you and thank you for who you are and all that you're going to continue to do in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord.